0: Liverpool 3 0. Corner check it quickly. A rigi! Yes! Unbelievable! (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. It's been a crazy 24 48 hours in the world of football, as I'm sure all our listeners are well aware. Uh, Me, James, and Max are going to try our very best to summarise everything that's gone on with the European Super League proposal um, for you. Uh, Welcome guys, first of all, I'm sure we're all feeling a bit disappointed, let down, shocked and just kind of ambivalent towards football at the minute, but we'll do our best to try and have some optimism but I suspect we're very much not going to be able to achieve that. But we'll see what happens in the next hour or so. So for those who are not aware, on Sunday evening, 12 of Europe's leading football clubs have put together a proposal for a new European Super League called simply the Super League. It's basically a closed league where 20 teams from around Europe will be invited to play in a tournament akin to the Champions League. However, domestic success is not a prerequisite of qualification. So it will involve 15 founder clubs Currently, there's only 12 of those 12. There's six English, three Spanish, three Italian who will be involved in this competition with five annual qualifiers. These 15 founder clubs will never, I repeat, never be eliminated from the competition and be allowed to play in it every single season, irrespective of their league form. The competition will then turn into two group stages of 10 teams. The top eight from each group will qualify into a knockout tournament The idea is that these games will take place in the midweek where the Champions League would usually be played. Um, Obviously, there's been absolute uproar across Europe from the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, UEFA, FIFA, you name it. Pretty much every football organisation has condemned this proposal. I'm not really sure where to start, guys, but I guess first thing, James, what are your initial thoughts when you saw those statements come out from the various clubs on Sunday evening?
1: At first, I genuinely couldn't believe it because we've been hearing about this Project Big Picture. It was called originally
0: that it, obviously
1: it was the six big clubs again, but it was under a different name. And that was around October time. And then when I saw the news break on Sunday, I just thought, oh, God, here we go. And then I saw the likes of Ed Woodward stand down from his uh, was it the chairman role in the European, um, another European party. He stepped down and I thought, look, this is gaining momentum. But it's just shocking. It's just money. people trying to get as much money as they can. Don't care about the clubs. I think we've all been a little bit naive to think that maybe the owners do care about us. Maybe that's for our own fault. But I think this has just echoed it over the last 24 to 48 hours. Um... And I, I, I Genuinely, I was lost for words when I saw it, and I'm still sort of lost for words because it doesn't seem to be slowing down. The momentum of the whole idea and everybody talking about it seems to be gathering more pace, and it's just it's it's frightening if it goes through. It, it is it is literally quite frightening.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just a it's just a symbol of where the game's going. Really, I mean, it all it all started when well, I mean money's been in football for ages but i I think that it's whilst the super league is appalling I find it hilarious that um groups such as the premier League UEFA and FIFA have got the balls to try and take the moral high ground over this sort of thing um with all the crap that has that is proven that these organizations have done be it money laundering um, or other crimes, you know, members of these factions have committed literal crimes, not, you know, crimes against football, literal crimes. So the the attempt to take the moral high ground from these associations is hilarious. And all we're seeing is just a creation of yet another diseased um organization that can bring corruption into the game that we love once again. And I for one am sick
0: of it. And there's so many different things that are wrong with these proposals. I think we're just we were just talking about it before we came on air. And literally every single element of it is wrong, is disgraceful, is goes against the essence of football and sport in general. And I think I think James hit the nail on the head there when he said, we've probably been a bit naive to think that these owners cared about The clubs that they own and the fans and the communities around it—they clearly, clearly don't. All they care about is their bank balance and the money in their pocket. For me, I think probably the most, the worst thing is the lack of competition that it's going to produce. I mean, having no relegation, no kind of jeopardy, and the founder clubs just are allowed to exist. And year after year, irrespective of how well or poorly they perform in their domestic leagues, they'll be allowed to come into this members' club of elitism. It just absolutely stinks. And I think I'm ashamed that Liverpool have their name to it, to be quite frank. And over the last 24, 48 hours, I've really been ashamed to call myself a Liverpool supporter.
1: Yeah, I can only echo that. I've completely felt the same way. And going back to what you said about um, the people who were involved, you look at Chelsea, City, Tottenham. Tottenham haven't won a trophy in the Premier League era. They've won a League Cup. That's all they've won. And City and Chelsea before the year 2000 and 2008 had nothing to show for it as well. So within 20 years, those clubs feel like they have the right to say we are the super six. When there's teams like Aston Villa, Wolves, um, Nottingham Forest, who have all played and won Champions League finals. And these clubs have nothing to show for it. But yet, all of a sudden think we're the European elite because they've got shiny big stadiums that they can get people in. It's a complete and utter joke. I think I've I've seen a couple of good points saying that all these owners now at the Premier League clubs, they're all investment bankers. And if you let the investment bankers sit at the table, they're going to bleed everyone dry. They're there to make money. And like I said before, I think we've been very naive with FSG, spending the money that they have done over the last couple of years, winning a Champions League, winning a Premier League. They've tried to furlough staff. That was completely missed. They missed the point with that one. They retracted the statement. They tried to up the tickets to £75 as soon as they came in. They've had to backtrack on that. And this is something that hopefully they can backtrack on. But over the the momentum of the last 24 hours, I think it's going too far for them. And I think they're damaging themselves even more the longer they let this go on.
2: Yeah, I agree with James completely. The speed of what is happening here is just too fast. And if Florentino Perez is correct and it's impossible to back out now, which I, I suspect is the truth, then, yeah, um, FSG have... Well, I mean, they already have, but to an even greater extent, they've let down every single thing that they were supposed to uphold as custodians of Liverpool Football Club. I mean, I, I've seen closed leagues. I, 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 like, uh, I've spent the last 10 years in Australia, mostly, and RA League is a closed league. And I can tell you that the product has either been dying or just sort of limping along ever since the first couple of years of it. With no relegation, there's no jeopardy, there's no um, there, there's no fear over um, matches for clubs down the bottom unless it's for the wooden spoon, which is basically just a tool to take the piss out of people with. But that's, that's it, really. So... For these clubs to naively think that there's always going to be interest just because they are the B names in European football. trust me, give it, give it a couple of decades, which is what they're trying to make this last over. that interest is going to drop and Liverpool will become Sydney FC. Chelsea will become Melbourne Victory and Real Madrid will become Brisbane Raw. That is essentially what it will just become. They'll become franchises that are just stale and grey and will have none of the vibrance and the the um, the unique qualities that make our clubs that we support and we love what they are. They will just turn into these, uh, these franchise entities that could realistically be from anywhere represent anything
0: they're just copy and paste football clubs and it seems to me as well that they all within this proposal they've obviously said that they want to remain in the domestic leagues so Liverpool still wants to be in the Premier League Real Madrid still wants to be in La Liga etc however the Premier League FA UEFA all of these organizations have essentially said that cannot happen if you go and you, you break away you can't have your cake and eat it and even if they did, even if they if this proposal goes ahead and some compromise is reached and they're allowed to stay in the domestic leagues, it's just going to damage the Premier League because other than winning the title, which is obviously a massive achievement, but other than that, there's literally nothing to play for. What, what are the you know, this season we've got Leicester City and West Ham United in the top four spaces with six games to go. And they're gonna be playing in a, you know, a B-rated version of the Champions League where none of Europe's elite clubs are gonna be in it. It's just, there's going to be no incentive. If you can't win a league, there's just no incentive for anything. And it, I, just, I just wonder if this goes ahead, how damaging it will be. Not just, you know, for us as fans of top six clubs and seeing these fantastic, you know, historical organisations, which all of, you know, mostly, most of these clubs are Manchester United. Whether you're a Manchester United fan, Liverpool fan, you can agree that you know, these are rich, proud clubs. How much is this going to damage not just the clubs individually, but the footballing infrastructure as a whole in this country and and possibly across Europe?
1: I think you'll see the Premier League basically become like the FA Cup. Now, the FA Cup used to be one of the biggest trophies in the country. And that slowly started to die down because of the TV money in the Premier League. We've seen two years ago, Leicester were resting first-team players in an FA Cup game against Newport County, I think that's what it will become if we if we allow this to go through and th- this actually happens. I think you'll see Liverpool and United and City and Chelsea have two different squads. I think they'll have a Premier League squad and I think they'll have a European Super League squad. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think because, I mean, some of the figures I've seen going round about this Super League already, how much money they're guaranteed. And I think when Liverpool won the Champions League, we won, played all those games, got all the TV money, and we made 200 million pounds, I think it was, in, in, in total. But the invitation to this tournament's already double that. So it's, it's just ridiculous. And the Premier League will, will just dry up. The, and because, like you said, there's going to be no top four. So if you can't win the league, like you said, what do you do? There's nothing anymore. You're not just, there's not going to be just no competition in this new league. There's going to be no competition in the Premier League because attentions are going to be elsewhere because the money. And I think we'll slowly see the League Cup fail, then the FA Cup fail, and then the Premier League will be the last of the lot to go. And it'll just be a shame because some of these teams have been around for 100 years. Do you know what I mean? So, it yeah, it's shocking, really.
2: And it's the, uh, the promise of trickle-down economics, isn't it, as well? That promise that's been made for decades by rich men um florentino Perez saying that if we're rich then it benefits everyone else because we'll spend loads of money on your players and then you can spend loads of money on everyone else's players that that doesn't work it it simply doesn't work it's been proved all over the world that trickle down economics just doesn't work and it won't work in this situation either clubs are going bust all over the UK at the moment and it will happen in Europe and it's only going to be accelerated if all the money starts being hoarded well starts um if all the money gets hoarded to an even greater extent by these 12 clubs I mean like the club like Paris Saint-Germain Bayern Munich Porto Borussia and Sevilla all these big big clubs I would argue every single one of those I mentioned is a bigger club than Tottenham Hotspur, for example. Um, They are not saints for turning this down. These clubs have all got their own vested interests and I won't have it from anyone that their clubs are saintly in comparison to these 12 abhorrent institutions that have um, taken part in this. But I think that the Super League is... a is a group of clubs who have played their hand way too fast. And I think this could all come back to bite them in the arse at some point as well.
0: Yeah, that, you're absolutely right saying they're not Saints because we know that the German ownership model is, you know, it's the 51, it's the 50 plus one model. So the fans have to have at least 51% of the club. If that model didn't exist, you can absolutely bet your bottom dollar by Munich and Borussia Dortmund would be among this. No matter what Karl-Heinz Rummenigge said today about you know how disgraceful it is if he if he could get Bayern Munich involved he absolutely would and with Paris Saint-Germain they've got very very close links with UEFA they pay a, you know I think the owner of, U, of um, PSG and um, the UEFA president are very very close they're very good friends I think they and with the Qatar World Cup on the horizon they just they all their all their money's already in UEFA's basket as it were so that's why they're not there um one term that's kind of came out is the term legacy fans and future fans. So this proposal, according to an undisclosed member of the group of the top six, one of the top six clubs, according to Sky Sports, has described it as legacy fans. So uh, which means you or you and me who are maybe match going fans or supported the club for our whole lives, people who may not necessarily spend all our money on the club, but we will, you know, be very, very kind of hardcore passionate. They're not as focused on those fans. They're focused on the future fans and the tourism fans, inverted commas. So they want the fan that can come from anywhere around the world to Anfield Old Trafford or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and spend money in the club shop, spend money on a tour of the stadium, spend money um, buying merchandise. They're not interested in the average fan who may spend money on a, t- on a ticket and a match ticket or a season ticket and then go to the game and go home every week the kind of foundation of every single football club has been cast to the wayside by these guys and I think it does shows that John Henry, Joel Glazer, Stan Cronkite, Florento Perez all of them, Roman Abramovich they're so disconnected from the average fan no matter what they're PR work says, no matter how much they claim to give back to the community, and these clubs have done great stuff for the community. Look at what Man City have done to the east of Manchester. They've done some fantastic things. But ultimately, all of their motivations, this, to me, personally, just shows it's all about the money. Yeah, 100%. That's all it's about.
1: I mean, they're going to have a good job doing tour return, Anfield tours, if they've got to take all them trophies away (laughs) once we get them stripped (laughs) off us because we've joined this European League. So... It's going to be no toll. That'll probably be turned into another hospitality suite. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I've tried to see Liverpool win the league for 26 years. And now basically they're telling me that those 26 years I've waited to watch them win the league means nothing because I didn't pay enough money into the club's bank account to say that I warrant you know, a voice because I don't spend thousands of pounds on tickets home and away every season. I don't get the third kit, the second kit the alternative kit, all the training gear. But but that shouldn't matter. I I do think that, yeah, it, it will start go towards, you know, the tourist clubs is what Liverpool and United are getting branded at at the moment. You see everyone with the selfie sticks inside the stadium, etc. But I think we're just slowly going towards sort of like a, the way the Formula One is at the moment. I think one week Liverpool will be playing United in Australia. Then next week we'll be playing Arsenal in Singapore. Then the following week, and I think that's just going to go. I think it's trying to get as many club shops around the world and trying to get as many eyes on the game as you can. Because, like I said, to be, to try and see Liverpool win a cha- a Premier League, sorry, for 26 years, and to go through the heartache of not winning it under Brendan Rodgers and the heartache of missing out by one point, all of that emotions that I felt just means nothing because I've not paid enough money into the club. It's it's sickening. And like I said. I think, and I'm speaking for myself, I've been very naive to think that my owners, the owners of my football club that I support, have always cared about or have had our emotions or our thoughts in the back of their mind and just clearly haven't.
2: Yeah. Um, I can't argue with anything that James said there. This is going to be a a podcast where we all agree this is going to be wonderful. Um, Yeah, I... I think, well, there are many things that piss me off about this. You'll all be surprised to hear. But um, one of the things that pisses me off the most is these clubs are trading on success that these owners, in most cases, had nothing to do with. I mean, Manchester City and Chelsea are new money. Their success is completely built on what has taken place since Shea Mansour and Roman Abramovich came in. But at Liverpool... Bill Shankly and Bob Paisley and Joe Fagan are the ones who built the story of Liverpool Football Club. Family Sports Group has got absolutely nothing to do with that. They're trading off the success of better men. And it's the same with Manchester United. How do you think Matt Busby would have reacted to all of this? Because I imagine he would not have reacted well. And once again, the Glazers are trading off the success that was built by the Busby Babes, um, by Duncan Edwards, by Sir Bobby Charlton, better men who are more talented and have achieved more. And it, it disgusts me. And Real Madrid flaunt their European titles, but they have nothing to do with Florentino Perez at first. He, he has come into a club that is trading off the history of people like Alfredo Di Stefano, who their training centre is named after. It, It terrifies me that these men have got such ego, such arrogance that they think that they can simply go into a club and use the history that was created by these legendary names to use it as a bartering chip to create their own little league backed up by the success of players and managers past it, it disgusts me.
0: Um completely agree with that as well. And tomorrow Jordan Henderson's chairing a meeting with the other Premier League captains to kind of discuss what what they can do. Um, obviously the information what they're exactly going to be discussing isn't, hasn't been disclosed. But we saw Jurgen Klopp last night speak. I think he did a really good job to be to not hide, so not bury his head in the sand while you know still being diplomatic to a degree. It's clear he disagrees with it. Um, I think we can all safely say that. James Milner, he, you know, likewise spoke really well after the game. Patrick Bamford on the lead side spoke really well. We need now these guys to stand up. Don't we? we need, it's difficult to expect the managers and players to have to front up to these questions from the media. And it's totally wrong that the likes of John Henry is sitting in his mansion in Boston and not answering these questions. Yet Jürgen is just trying to do his best to, a competitive football team out on the pitch on what's already been a horrendously difficult season and he's having to face questions that he knows nothing about the fact they weren't consulted or they weren't made aware of it until it was being reported in the news is frankly disgusting as well we need the likes of you know Jürgen Clark, Pat Guardiola, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford we need these big characters in all of the clubs who are involved to speak out 'Cause so I personally think that the only way that can be stopped is by those guys standing up and being counted. They shouldn't have to do it. But I think that's what's needed right now.
1: Yeah, I think day after, I mean they're the ones playing under the these owners and they've probably got the biggest say. You know, if they wanted to go on strike, I don't know if they will go that far. I hope not, because that I think that takes it down another ugly turn. I think if they start striking. Um but yeah, I saw Marcus Rasford he put a tweet out before of um, a banner that they have up at Old Trafford, and it's a quote by Sir Matt Musby saying, football without fans is nothing. I think he's the first one to really make a, a stance on social media about it. I know everyone's mentioned what they've said in, 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 on live interviews, etc. But I mean, like you mentioned Patrick Bamford then, and I think he put it as, as brilliantly as, as, as what anyone can because there's so much money involved. Everybody's getting involved, but the likes of racism and sexism within sport no one has ever batted, no one's ever put a front up as much as this. Everyone, there's about a week of it on Sky Sports, and then that's it. it, just gets dropped. And it's just because of how much money that there is in there. Um, and you look at the likes of like Sky for the whole of the match last night, I know it's a big talking point, but they hardly spoke about Leeds, for example, etc. Um and I just find it funny how, you know, all the money they've put into the sport and how much they've outbidded and stuff like that on sporting rights. And now somebody's trying to do it from them, they're not liking it. So um, I just hope. I mean, Henderson got everybody together, didn't he? During lockdown, he started the Captain WhatsApp, got them all talking, seeing if they could do anything to get the lower leagues, you know, try and keep them afloat and try not to take pay cuts, etc., and try and use the money to donate to charity. Um and I'm just glad that we've got a captain like him at our club at a moment like this because I I haven't seen any other captain try to do something like he has.
2: The thing that I find hilarious, especially with the captains meeting, is that a lot of these captains aren't. <laughs> they're not from these major clubs. They're not Jordan Henderson's from Sunderland, Harry Maguire's from Sheffield. Like these aren't players who you know been brought up with these big clubs as you know, part of their identity. But they're the ones who are doing the most to save the reputation or what is left of the reputation of these clubs. And also, I think Liverpool in particular could potentially have made... I mean, okay, they have made a terrible error. But I think an error that could be made is that unlike Manchester City and Manchester United and Chelsea, Liverpool doesn't have the... But Even with the Super League, if... Jurgen Klopp and some of the senior players, for example, Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah, decide to leave. Whoever comes in is a replacement for them. doesn't matter the amount of money you throw at it. Van Dijk and Klopp in particular, it will be a downgrade whoever comes in. They are the best at what they do. And I could see a very likely scenario, particularly if the threat of these players not being able to play international football is followed through on. Where a lot of these players say, I want out because I want to represent my country at a World Cup. Even even going away from the horrific moral issues, just the pure practicality of the fact they wouldn't be able to represent their country. I mean, Phil Foden is at Manchester City. He's a Manchester City boy through and through. And he would never be able to play for England again if he stayed at Manchester City, if these rules are correct. And, yeah, I think they have played their hand way too early. If if FIFA are making these threats and UEFA are, then they must have fairly good legal grounding to be talking this up. And if it's true, I don't think the players will stay at all. The managers may be, but I don't think the players will.
0: Yeah, because the players want to play for their, play for their countries. And beyond that, they want to win the biggest competitions in the world. The kids, like, I think... Uh... It might have been Ander mm-hmm. Herrera or Meza Uzzel as well posted on social media yesterday. Obviously, their clubs aren't involved. But they were saying, you'd grow up wanting to win the Champions League. You'll grow up wanting to represent your country at the World Cup. This is creating, you know, European Super League, Super League, whatever you want to call it. It's creating a new tournament. It's got no pedigree. It means nothing. Like winning that, it's not an honour. Mm-hmm. Winning the Premier League is a massive honour. Winning the Champions League is a massive honour. Playing for your country, these are the things that players want to achieve and do in their careers and this is literally just a commercial tin pot cup that they've just plucked out of nowhere it doesn't exist they've just invented it and now they say oh this is the most prestigious trophy in the world it isn't just because just because you've got the money to finance it from JP Morgan and just because you've had the gore to decide that your elite clubs which as James said earlier is frankly embarrassing to say about some of them Tottenham haven't won the league title for 60 years If this Super League was made 20, 30 years ago, you'd have Nottingham Forest, Celtic, Ajax in it. But just because the money in football in the 21st century warrants means they they can facilitate it in this way. It's just frankly outrageous. So before we move on to the next part, I guess the final real thing to ask is just where do we think we'll go from here? Obviously, it's been absolutely condemned by almost all areas of society we've had members of the royal family speaking out against it we've had both major political parties in the UK speaking out against it ex-pundits ex-pros you name it it's pretty much been universally hated and united football fans in a way that I've never seen before so they've got that right somehow um but what, what what do we think the outcome will be obviously they're I think in the plans tournaments meant to run from August to May if, if it was approved and if it went through. Obviously, August isn't that far away. What is our best guess, in, which is hard to say in an ever-changing situation, I know, but what what's our instincts telling us?
1: My instinct is telling me it's going through and it's going to happen, just purely because, like I said, we've heard about it being called Project Big Picture before, but we've never heard much details about it. I mean, they released a bit of a statement of it back in October and it was just a couple of bullet points, but this one we're actually getting statements we're getting told who's funding it we're getting told that clubs are leaving the European board and so they can't play in uh, European competitions I think it's gone too far to turn back now um and that's that's what my my instinct is I think it will go through um it's just a case of what's going to happen with the the domestic leagues now but I just think the the owners and the from every club, really, all 12 clubs at the moment who have said yes, I think they've gone too far to, to take it back now.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I think it will end up happening. However, I do think, and my God, I hope it does, even though I'm a Liverpool fan, my God, I hope it all goes tits up when it does happen. I think, like, especially if this rival big comes in and all of the clubs are... That's a rival bit this um, this apparent um, revamping of the Champions League is going to bring billions of pounds into it through UEFA. If that happens, and all these clubs who are in it now who have um, uh, who have long not had access to these sort of funds, if these clubs get access to it, and then you have these twelve clubs, probably with a few more joining later on in their own little league, what will end up happening is it will be a lot of money spent on something that no one will be interested in because everyone else has money now and it's not going to be the sole home of the best players. And the entire marketing of this league is that it's the best players, the best teams, all playing each other, all the time, all in one league. You take the best players away from that and you completely destroy the entire point of it. So if that, if that happens, there is a real possibility that this could go badly, badly wrong for all 12 clubs, and my God, I hope it does.
0: That's another point we've not really, we've not really talked about, isn't it, James, that it's meant to be special when Liverpool play Real Madrid or Barcelona or, or AC Milan or whoever it might be in Europe. If, if we play them on a weekly basis for year after year after year it just it just loses that quality very very quickly and people will get bored of it i would imagine
1: yeah the champions league is all about the big european knights who are you getting in the draw you know looking for have you got the away leg first have you got the home like people booking tickets people booking flights well that's gone because i know i'm playing real madrid four or five times a season you know and it's 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 sickening it's horrible you know it's greed. It it's I can't sum it up more than what other pundits, etc., and and people on Sky have said. But you know I, I like you know Sheffield United beating United this season at Old Trafford it was funny to wind United fans up because it's Sheffield. Do you know what I mean? It, it those teams can go to Old Trafford and win. Those teams teams have come to Anfield this season and put us on an eight game losing streak at Anfield. <laughs> These um, I don't know why we suddenly think that these teams don't deserve to play us in our stadium, and don't deserve to play us in their own stadium. Um, I think it's just completely. I know all these clubs haven't got the history throughout the club. Do you know what I mean? And you've got, I mean, Burnley have probably got the same history as Tottenham at the moment in the last twenty years because at least Burnley have been to playoff finals and have won playoff finals at Wembley and stuff like that. So, I do look forward to the. The gritty away game at Burnley, January. It's blowing a gale. It's raining sideways, and Liverpool have got to go and get a hard fought one 0 win. I think if you, I'm, I don't really want to see Liverpool playing Real Madrid four times in Qatar and having to, or in America, or. Rio or wherever
2: they're going to have it, and have to get up at half four in the morning just to watch a glorified pre-season friendly. I can tell you from experience, the uh, waking up at half four in the morning to watch your team every week is—it's uh, not—it's not great. It's not great. It is not great. Um, yeah, I—I I completely agree. Um, it's like—it's like being given chocolate for every meal. Chocolate's great, but if you give it to me all the time, I'm going to get bored of it. And it is exactly the same thing here. I love it when Liverpool play a big team in Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus. We haven't played Juventus in ages, but points down. Um, And if you take away that sense of occasion, then what's the point? And it's the same with what we were talking about with the European Super League as a trophy at the end of the day the premier league trophy the fa cup the champions league the bundesliga whatever trophy you want to name it's just a big hunk it's a big hunk of metal there's nothing more to it apart from the stories that are attached to those hunks of metal the the traditions the the you know the trips that you took with your mum or dad to the um, uh, to the stadium you know the, the memories that are associated with those trophies you take that away and it's just a big hunk of metal that you know you could just you could buy something that looks like it off the internet I mean if you if you the European Super League will just be that it will just be a hunk of metal that someone will hold up at the end of the season. And it won't have those memories. It won't have those stories. And with the way it's been set up, it will be forever tainted. It won't be able to have those stories associated with it because everyone will know that it was created through lies and subterfuge and it will forever, it will be tainted. But then again, people said that about the Premier League. So maybe that's just hopeful. That's, maybe that's just hopeful optimism from me.
0: For me, I think the main worry is that if this does happen, there's, there's literally no going, no going back. It's the end of Liverpool Football Club as we know it. It's the end of football as we know it. And that might sound like I'm catastrophizing, but I genuinely think it will dilute the quality of the domestic leagues to a level that the sport, as we know, it will just, it, it will just change forever in, in, and it will be worse for that. And like, we, like we've already mentioned, UEFA are bad that the new Champions League proposals are bad. Sky as an institution and what they did, they, it, was for, it was for wealth, it was for money. They're, 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 they are bad. But for me, this is not the same as what happened in 1992 when Sky created the Premier League. There's similarities and there's parallels, of course, but this is so much worse because it's taken the sporting merit away from it. You could always still get promoted to the Premier League Can always... Leicester City win the Premier League in 2016 that, can, that will never ever happen with this proposal so for me my instinct tells me that there will probably be some kind of compromise where the top six will be allowed to play in the domestic league whether that compromise comes through the courts or whether it comes through kind of mediations with, with the big six and the Premier League and the FA I don't know I just don't think that the Premier League in, ultimately will get rid of what is their, you know, the golden gooses of, of the league without them I've got a friend who's a Norwich City fan. He says to me, I want to come up and watch Norwich City play Liverpool, Man United, Man City, et cetera. If they're not there, it doesn't feel the same. So I don't think they will go from that. I think we'll be left with this middle ground, which is so much more mundane where, like James was saying earlier, we'll have the top six playing in the Premier League on the weekends, but they'll be playing weakened teams, saving them for the, for the Super League games midweek. That's my thoughts over what will happen um we'll leave that there for now because I'm sure we'll come back to it in podcasts in the future because it seems like a topic that's not going away just before we end there was actually a game of football last night um Liverpool drew 1-1 with Leeds which was a blow to the top four hopes um if top four is still a thing again not really clinical good first half bad second half I think is the summary to me it felt quite a hollow watch I don't know what you guys felt I'll be honest with you I didn't really pay attention to it after the news
1: breaking and like I said that the whole build-up on Sky yesterday was just talking about what was going on with the the Super League there was no real match build-up it didn't feel like I was gearing up to watch a Liverpool versus Leeds game or Leeds versus Liverpool it felt like I was watching a like football question time um it was just that's all they were talking about i understand it's the biggest topic but at the end of the day there's still a game of football to be played and i think uh like you said it's a story of two halves first half is what we've been all season really just not been clinical enough and second half was as we have been since christmas all it takes is a set piece and it seems to undo us at the back really i was quite shocked to see Milner playing his third consecutive starting his what's that third consecutive games yeah, yeah. 35. Um was quite shocked to see that to see Fabinho um drop back into the center center back um, position. Um I know Mane score, but I thought if anyone should have been dropped on recent form, it should have been him. And I think you're leaving it a bit too late to bring Salah on when you're one-nil up and you're getting battered at the back. So I thought that was a strange change, but all in all, it's like I said wasn't really paying attention to it that much just because of what had been said. So I think I was just probably watching it just for the sake of watching it. Really sounds horrible to say, but that's just how I think the football fans who have part of the big six are just feeling at the moment.
2: I think that's it. I I mean, I was, I was similar. I watched it not necessarily because I was really invested in the game, but just because it's what I've done for over 20 years. Is I've just sat down and watched the game and shouted at people, and I did shout at people. Still, Andy Robertson, misplacing that pass when we were cleaning through, three, three men rushing towards the box, and he passed it straight out of play. I shouted at him like I like I do all these players if I could do any better, um, but it just it felt hollow. It felt weird, and it it terrifies me that. It's going to get to that point with every game where I watch games more out of more out of duty than out of actually a love for the game. And if it, if it gets to that point, then why are we here? Why are we why are we invested in the club? I mean, it, yeah, if, if this is what being a Liverpool fan or a fan of the top six clubs in the Premier League is now then yeah i i don't see the point it's not it's not what i not what i signed up for i was five but it's not what any of us want for a match day experience and on the game itself yeah um i thought we played very well first half i think a mixture of fatigue um just being sloppy at the back and i think missing a fabinho or jordan henderson in midfield to try and wrestle back control um Of the possession of the ball, which just completely disappeared, particularly around the sort of hour mark um, in the match, was vital to Leeds getting a point. But fair play to them; they played really well, Um, and without Rafinha, who I would say is their best player as well.
0: Yeah, I echo both of those (laughs) thoughts. The same—I found myself getting lost in the game a little bit, as you do. And then, you know, when Leeds scored, there was a moment of exasperation and then it's like well it doesn't really matter does it because (laughs) if this comes into play then we're not going to be in the Champions League next season next season anyway but if we if you know somehow this thing disappears and Champions League is on the cards next year it's, it's it's another opportunity missed really in terms of top four hopes when you consider that West Ham lost to Newcastle at the weekend and both Leicester and Chelsea were in FA Cup action so we had the chance to move into the top four as it is we stay in sixth um these opportunities, there's not, there's not that many games left now, um, and we, we've passed up another one.
1: Yeah, huge, huge blow for the race for top four. But you don't need to qualify for a tournament; you're already going to get kicked out of. So what's the point? <laughs> that, that, that's exactly what it was. Like you said, the goal went in last night, and I just usually I get angry or oh, I get a bit peed off, and I go on a bit of a rant. But last night there was just there was just nothing. The, the, the joy of watching Liverpool, even the Mane goal, I just went, that was all right, when really I should have been, you know, going on about how good Jota's vision was and the pullback by Trent, and he should be in the England squad. Well, he might not even be able to play in an England squad again, so it's it's just, yeah, it sucked to the joy out of watching the club that I've watched since, like Max has said, 5-6, since the Gerard Houllier days, and it's just... I don't, I don't know what to do. I've just got to hope that Champions League, you know, this doesn't go through. And I still think we've got decent fixtures to qualify for the Champions League. I know Leicester have got to play the likes of United and Chelsea and City at the end, but are they going to take it seriously? Because, you know, when it, you were looking at this a week ago thinking Leicester have got to go there and probably get two wins out of those three games to cement that top four. But now you're thinking the other three teams aren't going to occur because it's the three teams that are in the top, this Super League
2: as well. So it's.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a head-scratcher and it's just, like I said, taking all the joy and out of supporting the club that I have done for so long.
2: Yeah, I mean, top four's not over by any means. Everyone's inconsistent. Everyone's <laughs> dropping points left, right and centre. Um, I think Chelsea will make the top four. I just think that right now with the players that are available for everyone, of the teams that are fighting for that spot, I just think they have the best squad. Um, they have a manager who is not looking completely defeated and despondent like Jürgen is at the moment. Um, And I don't blame him at all. I do not blame him in any way, shape or form. If my employers had thrown me in front of the media after the biggest decision in the club's recent history to front the media and they were hiding in in a mansion in Boston, I'd look pretty pissed off as well. Um, But yeah, (laughs) it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, no matter what happens, I was saying this to my housemate last night, no matter what happens, whether the Super League goes through or not, these clubs will not be in the Champions League next year. It will not happen because UEFA will just ban them for even trying to do this, let alone actually doing it. They will not be in the Champions League next year. So this whole race is utterly pointless and ridiculous and feckless and i hate
0: it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a a good a good point to end on really next up for liverpool it's it's newcastle um at anfield there'll be no flags or banners in the stadium because of protests from the fans against fsg's decision i think just finally to end on i'll ask you guys where the fsg go from here um they've made some horrific decisions in the past I've never been an FSG outman myself. I've always maybe naively, maybe wrongly held the fact up that they saved us from Hicks and Gillette as some kind of, they must be good people in my head. Um, and obviously they were the ownership when the Champions League and Premier League were won. That was obviously papered over some cracks. The furlough schema earlier, well, last year, the, their furlough in the staff was disgusting. They obviously backtracked on it. Ticket prices have gone up, up and up. Um, they've commercialised the club pretty much at every avenue they can. If this doesn't go through, if the Super League dies on its arse, as we were hoping it will, where does FSG go from here? Do they come grovelling back or do they try and sell? Because ultimately, I think this has been John Henry's plan since the very start.
1: I think the best for them to try and save the, the brand of FSG and the name of FSG, I think the best for them is to sell. I think that's what's going to be best for them um, because it's all about reputation. Um, And I think that's what ultimately they'll have to do. I think they've been very lucky in the decisions that they've made. Like you say, the furlough and the staff and um, the charging £75 a ticket. And like you said, commercialising every aspect of the club that they can because they've delivered success on the pitch at the same time. They've, They've done it at a time where... When they try to put the ticket prices up, Liverpool got to a Europa League final. When they try and furlough the staff, Liverpool have just won a Premier League title. So it all sort of gets brushed under the carpet because of the, the success they've delivered off the pitch and onto the pitch, obviously, you know, they buy the players, etc. But I just think it's gone way too far now. You know, when they came in and bought the club you know, minutes away from going into liquidation. We wouldn't even be sat here talking about Liverpool if it wasn't for them. And at the time you're thinking they're the lord and saviour, they're the nicest guys in the world, they're smiling with the cameras, they're shaking hands with Jurgen Klopp when they sign him. And you're thinking, this is the opposite to Hicks and Gillette. These are the complete opposite and they're not. They're the exact same Americans who have just saw an opportunity to buy the club and to make profit on the club. And like he said... I think there was a picture going around in 2017 with even gazidis um it was at arsenal now at ac milan um one of the glaziers um daniel i think it was daniel levy and john henry all sat around the table in new york in 2017 so this has been in the pipeline for at least four years now and i just think that to, to, they can't come crawling back for a third time to the fans especially Liverpool fans who have been through so much over the years, have gone through so much ridicule off everybody else, all other sets of fans. You can't come groveling back to these fans for a third time and beg for forgiveness from your own mistakes. And I think that's what might sort of sway them to try and sell the club.
2: Yeah, I mean, if we, if we look at this and, and look at FSG's form, I mean, aside from being genuinely awful people, which they have outed themselves to be with the decisions that they have made in charge of this club trying to trademark the liver bird trying to raise the prices to unaffordable rates trying to um, furlough the club's staff but they're also cowards these people they are cowards by nature and they've shown this repeatedly and Honestly, I think that they, right now, despite the fact that they have signed these contracts, I think they will be desperately trying to backpedal their way out of it because it is the sort of cowardly thing that they would do. They don't even have the conviction to stand by the decisions they've made because they are so frightened of the bad PR that is coming their way and more of it is coming. And I think that they will sell because they don't have the gumption to face up to the mistakes that they've made they are cowards and they're the kind of people who will just sell the club if it gets taken away from them this opportunity to create this monopolized uh, awful excuse for a league and i can't wait to see the back of the bastards to be honest
0: wise words there i think that's what that's the we'll leave it on that note um We'll see what happens over the next week or so. And we'll be back with another podcast next week, hopefully with the news that the whole thing's gone to shit and we don't have to talk about it ever again. But I'm not going to hold my breath on that. But until then, you can get plenty more Liverpool content if you want it at anfieldcentral.co.uk and on our Twitter at anfield underscore central. Our podcasts are every week on Acast and Apple Podcasts. James Max, thanks for your time and what's been a thoroughly miserable show for all of us.
1: Yeah, it's been nice to agree with the two of you for once.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, unanimous agreement's always fun. Always a pleasure,
0: gents. Well, they've done that for us, if nothing else. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.